Welcome to Deutsche Bank's Mark-to-Market podcast, where we level set with global business leaders on vital topics that we are facing today. And now over to your host, Mark Fedorsik, head of the Investor Bank, in conversation with Stephen Schwartzman, chairman, CEO, and co-founder of Blackstone. Steve Schwartzman is a business leader who does not need an introduction to Deutsche Bank. However, I am going to give one. He is extremely well known for many of his remarkable achievements across business, philanthropy, and world politics, having advised, I believe, uh, three different U.S. presidents. Mr. Schwartzman is is a highly active philanthropist, having helped many great causes in education, culture, and the arts, just to name a few. He is a signature to the Giving Pledge, committing to give the majority of his wealth to good causes. He has made just some unbelievable donations to the University of Oxford to help redefine the study of the humanities for this century, as well as founded a new Institute of Ethics in Artificial Intelligence, which hopefully we'll touch upon in some of the Q&A. He has also made donations to MIT, furthering critical ethical policy considerations to ensure technologies are used for the common good. And then he is also, among many other things, a great supporter of Yale, and Steve, if we have time, we'd love to hear the story about how you got waitlisted from Harvard. Most recently, in 2019, he published his first book, which became a New York Times bestseller titled What It Takes Lessons in the Pursuit of Excellence. We gave this book to all our newly promoted managing directors and directors in the investment bank this past year, and it was a big hit, Steve. Steve, thank you for the long-standing and deep relationship with Deutsche Bank. As someone that has been at the bank for 25 years, I appreciate the longevity of the Blackstone relationship, and we all appreciate you taking the time today. Well, thank you very much uh, for having me. And, uh, you know, you're right that um, we've, we've had a really long relationship with uh, Deutsche Bank, and we're very supportive uh, of the bank, and we use you. Uh, a lot, uh, and we're a happy customer. So I guess you picked the right person to, uh, uh, to, to to have today. Culture, an important question on how do you build and sustain that, particularly in large organizations. And it's evidenced in your book that's extremely important to you and the culture that you built at Blackstone. You talk about developing in your book an investment process that quote unquote everyone around the table from the most junior to the most senior person is expected to have an opinion and participate can you describe the culture at blackstone and how you've been able to sustain it over a long period of time yeah i'll do that in two ways first just on the investment process because it's interesting because you all have one we have one everyone has an investment process uh Uh, At the beginning uh, of our firm 35 years ago, uh, we didn't even have an investment committee. I didn't have any idea what I was really doing. Uh, I was an M&A person, uh, and I started an investment firm, and uh, we we ended up raising some huge amount of money at at a very good time, Uh, and then we had to start deploying it. We raised $850 million as a first-time fund. Uh, you know, almost uh, 35 years ago. So imagine how big that would be uh, with two people who had never made an investment as the general partners. Couldn't happen today. Uh, but, you know, the first deal that was brought in, uh, not the first, it was the third, uh, was brought in by one of the 
new partners uh, who I didn't know well, and and um, because the firm was young and 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 you know it was a steel distribution business uh, that that was making a bunch of money, uh, and uh, you know he, he wanted to take it private and knew the management and. Uh, one of the other partners had heard about this and, um, uh, you know, came in my office and, and, and said, uh, um, you know, I think this is a terrible idea. These are just inventory profits. And if we go ahead with this and steel prices go down, we'll get wiped out. And so I listened to both of them uh, talk about a primitive way to start a business. Uh, and uh, I, I pick uh, the wrong guy. I picked the person who brought the deal and uh, uh, within three months of doing the deal, steel prices had collapsed. Uh, We couldn't pay principal and interest. Uh, And it was a terrible disaster all caused by me, uh, even making that decision. And I realized uh, that was the wrong way to run a railroad. Uh, And we had to completely change what we were doing. Uh, We needed to have a, a bunch of smart people we needed to have things in writing. We didn't need to have people talking because most people in finance are good talkers. They can convince you of almost anything. Uh, and and so, so I wanted to slow that process down. I wanted to have the whole list of risk factors. Uh, and I wanted to have people around the table who were uh, intellectually attacking uh, uh, the deal uh, to show uh, what the risks are. Uh, we lost money on that investment uh, that I'm discussing, and I decided I never wanted to lose money again, uh, because what you find in the investment business, if you never lose your customers' money uh, and you always make money, they tend to like you. Uh, if you lose their money, you find they don't like you. I know that doesn't sound profound, but if you never lose money, uh, you can build an astonishing business uh, over time because every proposal always has an upside. Uh, but but if you focus on the downside with inherent conservatism, um, uh, things work. Now, to do that, I am not a believer culturally that people should attend meetings and watch other people talk. In most investment committees, what happens is there's one person in charge Everybody looks at that person, and that person sort of interrogates uh, the people who bring the deal, uh, and and they dominate. Uh, and and uh, ironically, uh, everybody else is what I call a paid audience. I do not believe anyone should be at a meeting to watch other people ask questions, you know, because if it's only one person really running the meeting, <laughs> they might as well just run it themselves. And and so whenever you come into one of our meetings, you have to have a view. And it's like going to a a, a course at a a university where you must recite uh, and everybody must have a view. Uh, And and by doing that, and then after the first round, we send uh, the team back because, you know, they don't have all the answers. We bring them back. We do the same thing again. We'll do it three times. By the time you do that three times with really smart people sitting around a table, you'll have all those risks laid out. You'll have the range of outcomes of each variable, and then you can figure it out. So, so you know, uh, we, we don't want one person dominating. 
and and part of our overall culture. Uh, and I know I'm meeting up some time, but I really want to explain this because it's important to run a great uh, organization. Uh, I believe everybody's basically equal. Uh, that when we hire people, uh, they should be as smart and capable as our most senior people. The only difference between the senior people and the junior people is the senior people are older. They've seen more. They know more, but only because of experience, not because they're smarter than uh, than a starting uh, employee. And so I, I think it's important to empower everyone in an organization. And we have meetings every week. I attend the meetings of every group uh, at, the, at the firm, along with my number two, John Gray, our chief financial officer, uh, and, and, and our vice chairman, Tony James, who used to be president. And everybody gets to see us every week. Everybody gets to know what we think about things. And and we're very open, as you can tell from my voice right now. Uh, I'm opinionated, but, you know, I think on a balanced way. Uh, and, uh, you know, the way you transmit culture and tell people what you think uh, is, is by being open and being exposed to your people. We also, at every one of our Monday morning meetings, take people around the world with everything that's happening. Uh, and anybody can ask questions at that meeting. And we have hundreds of people at that meeting on video and in, in the room in New York. And by doing that, we, we have everyone at every level of an organization knowing everything about what's going on. I'm not in the secrets business. Uh, and once you understand that you're a valued member uh, of, of, of the firm because you are, not because somebody's, you know, trying to convince you of that. By the way, you're, you, you have access to information, hear what's being said, anybody can speak. You then can transmit values uh, to, to be, you know, sort of the best uh, performing, uh, you know, meritocracy culture, uh, open, uh, lots of access. Uh, I'm a believer in a zero defect culture in terms of preparation of materials, uh, excellence, uh, and um, uh, it, 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 promotion of people who are really uh, uh, excellent. Uh, and if you have a culture like that, that culture protects you from insider trading, which we've never had, almost the only people on Wall Street, and all kinds of other stuff so that your compliance people who are important of course, they don't have to be the ultimate policeman uh, because uh, being open and transparent with good values, I call them middle-class values. That's what we call them in the United States. Knowing what's right and wrong, never doing anything wrong is the way you really make culture. Well, you, you, beat, you beat me to the last question. Can you just share with us how you've learned to deal with disappointment and persevere through to the success you've had? For me, uh, this was when we were starting fundraising and we were having a terrible time. Uh, and uh, I had an appointment uh, up at MIT that I confirmed it with their endowment. And we got there on a, a Friday afternoon for a three o'clock appointment. And we got there a quarter of early. I always like to be early. Uh, and uh, we kept knocking on the door. Nobody opened it. And some janitor walked by and he said, well, those people left. 
I said, what do you mean they left? He said, they left for the weekend. I saw them all leaving. I said, but I confirmed this appointment yesterday for three o'clock. He said, look, all I can tell you is they left. And, and, and you know, how, how many times has that happened to all of us? Uh, and so we walked out to the front door at MIT and there's a big street out there. It started raining. And, um, you know, uh, we thought we'd wait out the rain, but it kept getting worse and worse. And and my partner was 21 years older than me. He was a very distinguished uh, guy, and he had been the chairman of Lehman Brothers, and I was the younger guy. I was head of the merger divis- uh, business, and, and uh, you know, we were at Blackstone starting now. And so I went out in the traffic and started looking uh, for a cab. Of course, that was hopeless because everybody was already in a cab uh, and the other people who were at the head, uh, you know, place where we were, were looking for a cab. And so I was soaked to my skin and, um, you know, I figured, what could I do here? Uh, and so I took $20 out of my pocket and started knocking on uh, uh, the windows of cabs with people in them to see if I could give them $20 so, so they'd let my partner and me get in the cab, drop them first, and then take us to the airport. Well, that didn't work. Uh, and then I added another $10 to it. I figured maybe $30 would work. Uh, and $30, uh, 35 years ago, roughly, um, it worked. And we got in the cab, completely soaking wet, uh, didn't even have our meeting. And the question is, what the hell do you do? in situations like that besides get angry at yourself, get angry at the other people, wondering what the heck you're doing uh, with your entire life. And anybody who's been in sales, anybody who's in the relationship business has these awful things happen to them. And, you know, my my approach to that is uh, you have to go on. Uh, you, 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 you look at that, you make sure you call the confirming thing three times instead of once, but, but still bad things happen to nice people. Uh, and we are all on this call, well-intentioned, good people. How could other people do these awful things to us? And the answer is they do on occasion. And, and the way you keep going is you must have a complete and total commitment to your objective. If your objective is trying to raise the biggest first-time fund in history and you've thought it through and that's what you're committed to, you these setbacks just get you angry. They don't stop you. You must keep going in every situation. You must prevail. Uh, and if you're failing every place, it's because maybe you're doing something a little bit wrong. You have to change a little bit and adapt, but you never ever stop before you have success.